Hey, Michelle here, just with a quick note. So later on in today's episode, we talk a little bit about acquisition multiples for um, indie SaaS companies. And we hadn't planned to talk about it. And I took a wild guess at what some of those multiples might be. Um, And they were way off. Um, So as you're listening to this, if you note that they um, sound pretty, pretty low, pretty off. Um, I, I recognize that. Um, and then there's, there's another note at the end um, with a little more detail, but let's get into it. This episode of Software Social is sponsored by Orbit. Orbit is mission control for your community. Grow and measure your community across any platform with Orbit. Find out more at orbit.love. Hey, Colleen. Hey, Michelle. Good morning. It's been a while. Oh, I know. I've missed your face. I've missed your face and your voice, too. <laughs> yeah, I think we haven't recorded in almost like a, a month, month now. Yeah. Crazy. It's been, it's, and I mean, you're in California now. Yes. And um, I guess we should catch people up. So... The other day, we were emailing about what time we should be recording, since there is now a nine-hour time difference between us. And it occurred to me, as we were sort of trying to figure out scheduling and whatnot, I had this sort of thought for a moment of, you know what? We've done this for almost a year. That's a really solid run. Like, apparently, like, I think most 90% of podcasts only make it to, like, what, three episodes or something like that? Um, Maybe... Maybe we've, maybe we're done. Maybe we did what we we did what we set out to do, and maybe we should walk out on a high note. Yeah. And then I said that to Matthias, and he was like, "But no, you can't stop the podcast. It's your thing." I love like- that. By the way, <laughs> thank you, Matthias, for coming in and saving the day. It's funny you should mention that, Michelle, because a lot has changed in my life in the past month, and. I had a similar thought, but not because of the time zones, more because I'm like sick of hearing my voice. I feel like (laughs) I've been, I feel like I get on this podcast every week and I just complain about how hard it is to start a business and I'm not actually doing anything. Like, I feel like I've lost my bias to action. Like, I need you are doing things. I guess. I don't know. I just like, Colleen, just do the thing. Stop talking about doing the thing and just do the thing. It's so interesting that you listen back to it and you hear that you're not doing anything when I feel like if you were to, you know, I like I imagine you listen to some audiobooks on your long road trip from Virginia to I did. California rather than listening through our um, entire back our entire catalog. <laughs> that would have been funny, though. Now, I, I imagine you celebrate that. our entire catalog, but um, <laughs> I feel feel like I hear you, you did not have a side project going last summer. True. Like you spent the late summer and fall or no, it wasn't really until the fall you like decided to go all in on this. And then by December, right, you had something launchable and yes. you got it out there. You got into the training wheels phase of the Heroku marketplace and then you were finally let out into the world in February and last we spoke you were at like right right around a thousand MRR that sounds like a lot to me 
Well, when you say it like that, it sounds really great. (laughs) (laughs) Go me. I just feel like for the past couple months, and to be fair, I have been single parenting three kids separated from my spouse, right, in a pandemic. So it's been a little crazy. But for the past three months, I feel like I've just gotten on and we've been recording and I'm just like, oh, I want to do this thing. And you'll say something brilliant. And I'll be like, yeah, I should totally do that. And then it takes me like a month to do something. Um, But I think so, that makes sense given all of that. And it, maybe we should clarify that you were away from your spouse, not separated. Like, oh, right. That military. Uh, yeah. Physically separated. Right. Yeah. But I like you, yeah. I feel like you have gotten so much done. But also I think what you're saying of kind of. You know, when you're working on a product, especially in the early days, I feel like it's very normal to kind of look at everything that has to be done and be like, oh, my God, there is so much to be done. This product sucks. Why is anyone paying for it? I have so much to do. Is this ever going to be like a real business? Never mind something that I'm proud of. How am I possibly going to get all of the time to do all of these things and like beating yourself up for not having all of that? time because you are a human being that not only needs to sleep and eat but has other other real life commitments like child rearing like I I think what you're saying is totally normal okay (laughs) I just feel like I've been doing a lot of whining I'm like oh it's hard I have to do these things it's hard just shut up and do I've said that why like you know people offer to acquire us and then and then people like yeah and then you can go start a business another business and I'm like yeah, dude, that's hard. Like, I have one that works. Like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> These beginning phases. It are is hard. Oh, it's good to hear you say that. I just feel like I'm moving slowly. I think that's a better way to put it. I feel like I'm moving at glacial speed here, and it's a little frustrating. Um, yeah, of course it is. So, speaking of having calls with people who want to acquire you, someone reached out to me, um, a small company. That yeah. requires small sasses. And we had a call. Oh. Um, so that was very flattering, I guess is the right word. Hmm. I mean, I know that happens to you all the time, but it does not happen to me all the time. And um, he did not find out. He did not find out about me from the podcast or any of the. He didn't even know I had a podcast, which is always funny <laughs> when someone is like, oh, I didn't even know that. He's like, what made you want to start the business? I was like, oh, well, if you have 52 hours, you can go listen to my podcast. I didn't say it like that. I was much more professional. Um, so that was <laughs> you could put cool. it on 2x and it would be half of that, but <laughs> right, right, right. It was pretty cool um, to have someone reach out about buying the business and just to kind of start the dialogue. We had a very casual, we did not talk valuation. Um, we didn't talk specifics, but we did have a very casual chat. So that was kind of cool, I guess. But you're, you're, you, you didn't leave that like committing to sell it to them. Like, are you going to no. have another call with them? Yeah. So the plan is, mm. I mean, I'm not commit. I didn't commit to anything. Okay. I feel like mm. I should say that we kind of did the get to know the situation chat mm-hmm. and let's have another call. If you're interested in a couple months deal in a couple months. Okay. But it's not yeah. like right now. No, there it was, it was no yeah. pressure. Like we were just, um, we were just, you know, he, he flattered me, of course, like you were saying, he's like, Oh, you know, you started this thing. I'm sure you're going to start a lot of things. And I thought of you when he said that. <laughs> and you'd be like, no, actually I am a one trick pony. 
um yeah I, I think it was a good call but yeah I think we'll it was kind of a hey let's talk again in a couple months if if you're interested so I don't know I mean you know investors are playing the long game right like yeah I know there's some investors who've been trying to court me for well you know Geocodio for years like and um I mean so yeah they'll wait a couple months and have you ever isn't there a, there's a book about was it like built built to sell right like yeah I, think, I, I, I think, listened to that in the car okay oh I oh, didn't listen well, to all of it because it's very long it. but I listened I got started on it in the car yeah did you also listen to never split the difference no um I listened to uh April Dunford's book oh about positioning uh obviously awesome yes that's yeah. the one was it awesome yeah I mean, I think, you know, her book is aimed at a wider range. It's not specifically focused on single person sasses. Mm. But I really think the thing I drew out of her book and Arvid's book, um, what I forget what it's called. That's embarrassing. But um, it's like building to sell or something was zero to sold. Thank you. Zero to sold was the importance of niching down. Mm. And um, so my focus, what I took from both of those books was I need to niche down. I need to position myself properly, and to do that, I'm going to focus on the Heroku marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I enjoyed both of them. I yeah, I enjoyed them both. It was good. Maybe we, um, I I feel like we've probably unfairly built up some suspense at this point. So first of all, we are continuing with the podcast time zones. Oh and yeah, Colleen's feelings about not getting enough done aside, we are continuing. So if you have been sitting there worried that this is the last one, fear not. <laughs> We are continuing, <laughs> and Colleen uh, Colleen Stas has not been acquired yet. Right, did not um, sell it. Do we? It was do, just <laughs> fun to get asked. Do we have any other news updates that we should bring so, to the table here? While I'm upending everything in my life, I do have some other things to say. Um, oh, so the reason, obviously, doing this podcast, I love, and I love talking to you every week, as we've discussed before even if no one listened. But the other thing is when we started this podcast, when I was trying to get this sass off the ground and I just was ugh, hitting every roadblock imaginable, this podcast kept me accountable. So since I'm kind of feeling the like I'm not progressing, I'm going to start kind of using this podcast to keep me accountable again. Like this week, I'm going to do this thing. So that's something I want to kind of be more actionable on what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do to keep moving this business forward. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, so I did other thing. <laughs> uh, so I took a full-time job. Oh, that's a, that's, right. That's, that's a big, a big update. thing. It's a big update. Um, which is so counterintuitive for like indie hackers. Cause you usually hear people like their goal is to get out of their full-time job and get into consulting. So they'll have more time to work on their side projects. I found for myself, that was different because I was getting really high value clients and they're wonderful, but they're intense. Mm. So what I was finding was the intensity of the mental energy and space I needed to fulfill my clients' needs was not leaving me with a lot of extra brain space Mm. for simple file upload. So the job I took is actually a company I've worked for before as a contractor a couple years ago and I negotiated Fridays off. So I have a nice. full-time job, but I only work four days a week. So I'm hoping I can use those Fridays to work on simple file upload and be able to kind of give that my full brain space on Fridays. That makes sense. 
That's nice that you got Fridays off. Yeah, it's weird being in a W-2. I know everyone's not in the U.S. I shouldn't say W-2. It's weird to be back in a full-time job, though. Like it's, Is it? It's just weird. It feels so – because I haven't done it in, gosh, like 10 years. No, eight years. Yeah. Um, so it feels weird, but I know, the, I know the team. I know the guys. I know the product. Um, so it's not – it's not like that starting a new job stress. It's more just like slotting myself in and, you know, adjusting to the way they work and things like that. But yeah, it's still kind of weird because I haven't done it in a long time. Do you feel like you're going to like now have more of that like mental space for those Fridays? I think so, Michelle. And I think so because the work isn't... The work at my full-time job is interesting, but it's not super high intensity, if that makes sense. So I think it's going to be just the right level of work to kind of, you know, uh, give me some spare cycles, like spare brain cycles to work on my own stuff. Mm. And I found that just, I know the dream, uh, some people, like I told a few people and they were like, oh my gosh, why would you do that? Because I know the dream for most people is to quit their full-time job and go into a more of a consulting contract role. But for me, I found, like I said, that it was just the clients I were getting, I was getting were just real high intensity. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just going to work 30 hours a week. Like that wasn't, (laughs) they weren't real on board with that. (laughs) Mm. And so, although, you know, you make more money as an independent developer, I think the pace of this job is going to align better with my life goals. And, you know, I found that when I was working full time, like, or, well, I mean, I work full time now, but like when I was working for other people, I don't know how to like say that. Like, you know, when you're working in another company, inevitably you have a lane. And maybe if you're in a really small company, you have multiple lanes, but like, you don't have the whole pool in the same way that you would as a um, as an entrepreneur. And I found for the, like those first couple of years, the fact that I was constrained to only, you know, a couple of different um, areas in my full time job was like frustrating. But I could channel it into Geocodio because all of the other stuff that I basically wasn't allowed to do at work and like I would have ideas about things and it would be like, well, that's this entire other department. And I would be like, Meh. like you can't do anything about that. Like I could channel that into Geocodio and 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 it like almost becoming this way of professionally expressing myself. Yes. To be able to get to do things that I couldn't do at work. And like that was exciting and motivating in its own right of like being able to feel like I was bringing everything I possibly could to the table. Like I had an outlet for that. Yep. That's exactly how I, I hope this falls out. We'll see. But it took the pressure one. off of the business too to be that like full time income. Yeah. And that's kind of nice too. I think um like I said, you know, you, you do make more as when you're independent, but the constant context switching, you know, a new client every six months to a year, it's kind of exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So lots going on here. So um, hopefully I have now arranged my life in a, a way that um, I will have some energy back to work on a simple file upload. You know, I think we've talked in the past about how people, like, I think I saw somebody made some graphic ones of, like, the sort of hierarchy of 
of work or products or whatever, you know, that starts out like the very bottom is, you know, working um, for another company as if like, you know, having a tech job is like this terrible bottom of the barrel <laughs> thing. And then and then you go become a consultant and then you have an info product and then you have a SaaS product and then you have. I don't know, like something with cryptocurrency or like whatever they <laughs> feel like sure. is the is the, you know, this sort of golden shining like point at the top of this of this hierarchy and I reject that you know you know like I have gone from SaaS like to info products now but I think there 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 is like a value judgment that happens for people who go from having their own indie product back to full time or who skip steps too like right like we never did the info product quote-unquote phase like it's fake like that's not actually a process that people have to follow (laughs) and if your life necessitates that like right now having a a, like a part-time SaaS and a full-time job is like where you want to be and that consulting isn't fitting in that and you're gonna just zigzag on down and go your own path that's totally fine like you don't have to follow the same path that you know someone on Twitter follows like make your own path it's okay if you need to you know hop around a bit and make it work yeah I totally agree and it's interesting you say that because I definitely struggled with some of those decisions like wait I'm not supposed to go back to full-time work after establishing myself as an independent developer and then I was like oh wait I can do whatever I want sweet yeah you're an adult you can do what you want and you can make the decisions that are the right for you and it's there's yeah there's like this it's almost like people should be ashamed of having to go get a full-time job as if it's sort of like admitting defeat when And I just I just reject that. Like, I don't think that's true. Like, you're making the best decision for you. You have, you know, it's it's for your own mental health, for your professional health, for that of your family who you're providing for. Like, all of those things are important considerations. And it doesn't matter what people on Twitter think. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm in a really good spot now. So I'm I'm now geographically co-located with my spouse which sounds ridiculous but that just means <laughs> we're we're together again yeah <laughs> you know so I got my husband back I got my co-parent back I um live in sunny San Diego and I took this job so it's a lot of change yeah. but I'm feeling like so good Michelle and I'm so feeling like like I'm ready to kick some ass can I just say I think you are yeah so I'm super pumped about that Um, It's almost, you know, and the other thing about this whole experience, success begets success, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, as I've been building in public, and as I've been getting traction, things start to compound. Like, I get this guy reaching out, and he wants to buy my SaaS. Like, I get random people on the internet sending me, like, really nice Twitter DMs, um, just, like, that are, like, encouraging and telling me what a great job. I love that. (laughs) Thanks, man. That's so nice. Um, so I, I feel like this whole process compounds, but I think being visible, you know, I was talking to some people before I went on this call because I didn't with the investor because I didn't know what to expect. And um, one person was like, well, you know, 
you know, maybe you shouldn't tell him this or maybe you shouldn't tell him that. And I was like, I have a podcast. Like everything about this company <laughs> is like public knowledge. And I know there's risks inherent in that, right? But I really mm-hmm. think the benefit I have seen, especially as a social person, has greatly, greatly outshined the risks associated with that. And I, I mean, I would say the same for writing the book too. Like it never would have gotten to be a book had I not done the newsletter and been getting feedback and encouragement and comments and stories from people in that very early stage. And even just now, like literally just before we were recording, I was on a call with someone um, whose company is in earnest capital and they're starting to do their first customer interviews and they wanted some feedback on the scripts that they had made based on the ones um, in deploy empathy, my book. And it was so like it was so exciting talking to them about it and and yeah. um and then we ended up having this really great conversation about using customer interviews as a way to um basically like fuel um content generation and SEO which is basically is our marketing tactic um but yeah i think being open about about it can be really really inspiring in a way that like we like you know, we got feedback from people when we launched Geocodio, but they were like developer friends of ours. Like it wasn't like during that whole developing phase, like we actually really didn't, we didn't kind of have this like community element that I think, um, I, I mean, I feel like we both definitely have now, but for very different, different reasons. Yeah. Speaking of the book. Yeah. It's July. How's it going? It is July. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so, so I finalized the copy like two weeks ago, uh, which was, which was really good moment. Like I actually, like I genuinely have not touched the copy in, um, about two weeks. Um, and, but had some like really good progress on it. Like I ended up, um, sort of at the last minute getting to interview a product manager at Stripe about oh, nice. their customer research process. Okay. Um, and so I, I like got to in, include a ton of examples in the book from Stripe, um, which was, which was pretty awesome because their, their process or how you might see it in a team because different teams might run it differently. Um, was so validating because like they, they also very much take this sort of customer first perspective and have from the very beginning, like the Collison brothers were doing support in the very beginning. Um, And that's just continued throughout the company. And I think um, really explains why they're such a fantastic company to work with. Um, But so I was able to include a ton of different examples from Stripe in the book, but then I had to get it approved by Stripe comms before it Hmm. was published. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So like that took some time. I mean, it was totally worth it. Like that took some time. And then, I basically took a week off um, and then now I've just kind of been working um, on the cover, getting some reviews um, and then, but I think the cover is basically done at this point and now I just need to like upload the whole thing to Amazon and get a proof copy and then after we do the proof copy, then I will open it up. Wow, that's yeah. exciting. And I did decide, I think, I don't think we talked about this. I did decide to do a private podcast as a pre-sale for the audiobook. 
No, we didn't talk about this. Um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about that. Um, I love podcasting, as you have noticed. Um, and again, like the the idea of sitting down to record an entire audiobook feels like slightly overwhelming. But doing it as a podcast where I release a couple of chapters per week, and there's a small group of people who are following along, and you know can give feedback or encouragement or, or um whatnot um is kind of exciting to me it is summer so that sort of makes it hard to get that like truly quiet time to record yeah um and I don't have a like I want to have a booth eventually um but and when we are eventually able to build a shed quarters but we don't have shed said shed quarters at the moment so apparently I can surround my desk in pillows I was gonna try that out for a future episode and everybody what about those me. acoustic wall like, things too yeah there are and there's also like some like cage thing you can get for a microphone to help with it but because mine is on a boom and not like mounted on the desk it doesn't work as well apparently okay. so i might do the pillow fort approach which apparently like npr reporters will do if they're in a hotel room nice um, <laughs> And yeah, but yeah, so I'm going to do a private podcast and I decided to give everyone who has done the pre-sale, by the way, like so far access to that private podcast as well. Uh, okay. So yeah, so so everyone who has done the pre-sale of the the, the PDF uh, ebook copy of the book, they get that and then all of the Notion and Google Drive templates and then also the private podcast, which, you know, will, will end up costing more if you buy it after the pre-sale closes, so I guess wait, I should wait. tell people when that ends. And yeah, can you explain whatnot. that? I didn't follow. I didn't follow the pricing structure for that. So if you buy the book now on presale, yeah, you will get access to the private podcast. Well, so you, I mean, you get the PDF of the book, or or you know, there's other ebook versions. Um, there's also actually an online version too. It's not really written for that, but there, yeah, there's an online version as well, um, and then. There's there's Google Drive and Notion templates basically to make it easy to like copy the script and then and then make your own version of it based on that. And then um, I'll also give them access to the private podcast that will be basically the presale of the audiobook. So eventually that will all all of those podcasts will get wrapped up into an audiobook. Got it. Cool. Yeah. I think I might, I guess I might do like a separate pre-sale for that once this main pre-sale ends. Like, I feel like such an imposter using all these words because like we don't do any of this with Joe <laughs> So I'm a little bit like, yes. Yeah, this, this is isn't really my wheelhouse. But I, yeah. I so, often but yeah, I think, buy, go ahead. Yeah. I often buy physical books and audiobooks. So I yeah. would buy, you know, I would buy I both think, like April Dumford's book. I have yeah. the physical copy. And I have the audiobook. I do that a lot with a lot of books. And so what does the physical book do for you? Well, like how would you use them differently? I'm on team physical book. Like I always, I hate, I mean, I don't want to use hate. That's a strong word. I don't like books I have to read on a tablet or on the computer. Mm-hmm. I want physical books, but I switch between them, which is a little weird. But like with, with obviously awesome, I bought, I bought the book. I started the book and then I had the road trip. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just listen to the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And then I have both and it makes me happy. So you can like reference the physical book. Right. That for me, yeah. especially for business books, for me, 
I, I've done the reverse too, especially for your book. Like I would probably be someone who would listen to your book and then buy it because I like physical books for reference. Um, but I like podcasts and audiobooks for when I'm trying to do other things. Mm-hmm. Sort of building the like general base of the knowledge. And then once you know that there is like something specific that was interesting, then you can go find it in the book. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I do that frequently. I don't listen to audiobooks myself because I find that I don't retain information as well. And I only read books on Kindle if it's a book that I would never want to reference. Mm-hmm. So it's been like it's been really interesting for me. Um, actually, when I when I interviewed the 30 odd um, early readers, this was one of the questions I asked them was like, so how does it like what did those two different things do for you? Like walk me through the context when we when you would use them. Yeah, um, of course you did. Good for you. So meta. <laughs> so meta. Uh, always. I did. Uh, I did try to use your customer interview techniques on the guy who was inquiring about my company. He would have been did proud. You? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to kind of understand where he was coming from. So I think I did relatively hey, well. Chris Voss in Never Split the Difference talks about using empathy as a negotiation tactic. Like nice. I reference his book a ton in my book because. You know, fundamentally, you want to understand where someone is coming from and why. Um, so you understand, like, what like what they're trying to do. Yeah. And especially with investor calls, like, you know, sometimes it could be someone who genuinely wants to invest in you. But, like, you never know if they're doing, you know, their own research for a company that they've already invested in or they're doing right. due diligence on a company they might invest in and they're trying to talk to all the competitors and get some sort of inside information. And so, I mean, as you said, you you didn't say anything that you hadn't already said in the podcast, which I think is really smart. Um, and to get, and it's, it's just smart to get them talking as much as possible and say as little yourself as you can, even if this, you know, could end up being a hugely beneficial thing and they could, you, you, you know, you could be totally aligned on interests, like, but my, I mean, my first step in, in any sort of negotiation, which this, would be or is at this point is to get them to talk as much as possible yeah okay can we play one game before we get off this podcast sure let's say i want to sell my company someday for three million dollars because i want a house in california (laughs) this place is ridiculous what and i know there's like a million things that go into valuation but spitball what kind of revenue do you need to even be in that ballpark so it really depends right like I think the general multiples I've seen which you know I like I'm not an expert in this at all so I think right. one and a I'm half a to two away. times revenue there's probably somebody listening out there who actually like knows these numbers better than I do but I think one and a half two times revenue is pretty Annual Con- revenue. Maybe, maybe up to, yeah, annual revenue, up to three okay. times maybe um, for a small SaaS like this. Um, I did not plan to talk about that today, so I probably would have looked at those numbers first. But um, but I think that's about the range um, and no more than 5x probably uh, annual revenue. And it really matters whether this is a, like, is this a person who is acquiring the company to run it themselves 
Is it a company that has a portfolio of small SaaSes that they're running together? Or is it a strategic acquirer, i.e. someone who is consolidating their market share? A strategic acquirer will pay much more than the other two types of buyers. Got it. Okay. We'll talk in a couple of years. <laughs> if my, <laughs> my revenue is ever $1.5 million, then you can advise me on that. <laughs> Actually, you should just really hire somebody who who advises people on that. <laughs> right. Like, if I'm, I can there. help you with negotiation <laughs> strategies, but like you know, someone. SaaS, uh, you know, M and A is not my A whole different area thing. of expertise. Yeah. Hire somebody who knows what they're doing. All right, I'll check back in five years. We'll see. <laughs> see if I'm there. Oh, it's been good chatting with you again. Oh, so good to be back. I missed this. I did too. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Hey, it's Michelle again. Um, So on those acquisition multiples that Colleen and I talked about that, after we recorded this, uh, I brought this up with some entrepreneur friends. And um, it turns out that my numbers were, I was more thinking about the multiples that companies over a million dollars in annual revenue uh, would get. Um, for example, I probably had the Bear Metrics acquisition in mind. Um, they were acquired for 2.65 times um, annual revenue. Um, I guess, but they're so open about their numbers, so I probably had that one top of mind. Um, for companies over a million, seeing that, you know, two, four, six, ten times multiples is pretty common. Um, and I guess since that's you know, sort of the uh, space we're in is probably what I pay the most attention to that we're not planning to get acquired. Um, but companies under that, especially those in the like five, like, like 5,000, 1,000, even 10,000, 20,000 MRR mark, um, those are where some, some really uh, wild multiples can, can come in, um, especially under 1,000 uh, MRR can be, can be, just uh, stratospheric. So, uh, for example, um, Rob Walling had tweeted about how there was a um, company with 80,000 annual revenue, which was sold for 20 times revenue. And um, people have said they, they, they've even seen like much, much higher um, multiples in that space. Um, of course, so if your revenue is, you know, $100 a month and you're basically saving someone development time, um, that can be really valuable. Um, the the market for for small acquisitions like this is is pretty hot right now. Um, so I just wanted to make this correction um, here, and I'm sure so many of you have things to um, add to this um, on Twitter as well. And I look forward to discussing it with you. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, 
Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Worksighted, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.